Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Please rise and remove your hats as we perform today's rendition of this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, just a little sentimental moment. Potterless is three years old now. The podcast is walking and talking in full sentences, and it's getting ready to go to preschool, and I can't believe I've been doing this thing for three years. It has grown astronomically beyond my wildest expectations, and I am so thankful for all of you listeners for supporting it in a way that has turned it into my full-time job, which is absolutely bonkers, and I feel like I have to pinch myself every morning when I (laughs) realize that this is my job now, and this has always been my dream, is to do something comedic professionally, and you've made it happen, so thank you so much. I have some new big things coming up for the show soon, so I'm happy to announce those. Rather than rush them and lump them in with a three-year anniversary special, I will just say that there are new big things coming throughout the end of this year and early into next year, and I'm very excited to share all of those with you, but just thanks everyone so freaking much. As far as live events, as previously mentioned, I will be at Conjuration in Atlanta, Georgia, November 15th through 17th, and I have a new exciting announcement for anyone that lives in Houston. It's not 100% official yet, but it is a month away from today, so I want to give as much notice as possible with a little TBD on details might change, but right now we are looking to do a live show in Houston, Texas on Thursday, November 21st. I will be sure to post about it all on social media and talk about it in the intros, but if you live in Houston, clear that day for now, and I'll let you know when things are confirmed and when you can get tickets and all of that. And finally, what would an intro be without welcoming our new patrons to the team? So shout out to Isabel Zaiden, Matthew Heister, Vilma Karkanen, Melissa Lewis, Jeff Billings, Anna Peng, Katie, Ellie Ariel, Lori Sunblad, Julie A. Bush, Malin Potts, Amber Pegler, Stephen Carroll, Melanie, Tilde Johansson, Axel Erickson, and Sarita Basu. And a huge shout out to our new producer level patrons, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Patrick Cribben, Chrissy Tiu, and someone that dedicated their Patreon pledge to wishing Alex Romano a happy birthday. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rosemary, Maria, Lisa, Rumina, Kamel, Russell, Audra, Eleanor, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Ali, Cat, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujan, Netta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Skymart, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Kelsey, Ellie, Lubin, Maleo, Lena, Daniel, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Cara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Andrea, Carrie, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Janet, Mary, Emo, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Artemis, Brett, 
Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermione, Lior, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Melena, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Jennifer, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Carutera, Sarah, McKenna, Six Awkward Nine, Tuesday, Anthony, Peters, Heather, Weekend at Dead Cat Lady, Steam Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never wait until the point in an outdoor activity when they are the farthest away from the nearest bathroom to realize, I need to use the bathroom. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to director's commentary, bonus episodes, my notes, exclusive merchandise, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 98 of Potterless, the third and final episode about the movie adaptation of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, guest starring Megan Fruhoff and Travis Fruhoff. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who finished the Harry Potter series for the very first time and is now watching the movies. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by some loving family members, two of my groomsmen slash women at my wedding in the future. It's Woo-hoo. Megan and Travis Fruhoff. Family, how is it going? We back, Mike. <laughs> We're back. How are you, buddy? Just doing great. Much like the third Back to the Future film, we're recording this one right off the presses of doing the second. (laughs) And we're in the wild, wild west. We we really are. We've put the two right next to each other all in one go. One very long late night session. I'm burning the midnight oil here in New York City. (laughs) But we are here. Let's just dive right into it because we're going to be talking about the final scene in this movie for probably as long as that scene lasted in the movie, which is 12 (laughs) hours. But before we get into the Hagrid love fest, let's go to where we left off. Hey, now. So later on, McGonagall has to bring Harry to... Dumbledore's office and the way the Dumbledore's passwords work is that it's always different desserts and it changes but what's very funny is Maggie Smith as McGonagall says the password really intensely so she goes up to the door and then goes Sherbert Lemon (laughs) (laughs) so dramatically Also, it's like the most badass way to enter an office of all time. The spinning like you stand gargoyle. stand on top of a oh, stairway yeah. or like a spinning up with an eagle. And I'm just like, yes, this is how I want to go to my office too. Yeah. You definitely lose all intimidation factor though when the password is different desserts. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's the password? <laughs> it's always a different dessert. That's for Dumbledore's office. Yeah. That's like his thing. Fizzing Whizbees. Chocolate cauldron. He doesn't look out of shape. I guess he Dumbledore. He's got a sweet tooth. Okay, but he's he's I mean he looks good for his age. Yeah, he's like actually no. What am I saying? He looks like he's about to Actually that's what I was thinking when we were watching the movie too. I was like I mean I know they've replaced the Dumbledore obviously because he passed away RIP. But also I'm looking at him as he's talking to Harry and he looks so old. Is this his last movie? So he sounds so old. old. And I was looking and I was like, there's no way Voldemort would be afraid of this guy. You know what I mean? Like he's too old. But he looks like he needs a cane and like can't (laughs) like he would not scare Voldemort. Well, in real life, it, he, I mean, he must have been going through some stuff. Well, so, yeah, like, um, clearly, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, I feel like that's only his second movie. It was only filmed a year after the first one. Like, I feel like they cast him too old to begin with. Like, mm. 
Yes, he's supposed to appear grandfatherly, but then when you get to like the fifth movie, he's battling Voldemort. So he asks to look formidable as well, I think. I really like the way he talks, though. I love that constantly sounding so tired. Just, Harry, a phoenix when it dies. <laughs> That's pretty it good. It reborn from the ashes. It was Are looking like it needed to happen anyway. I love it. Ugh. And and then the new guy just yells every line, which makes me so sad. Oh, applause, applause. That impression was spot on. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people that complain anytime I make a British accent that I do it wrong. So uh, here we are. The British accent is meh. It's probably terrible. It's probably so bad. was perfect. <laughs> when Travis does a British accent, he like... Yeah. <gasps> Harry... <laughs> You're going to have to save the day. We're all just going to watch. And you're going to do it. But, sir, I'm 12. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's in the prophecy. I'll send my phoenix. <laughs> I'll send a hat. There's a sword in it as well. <laughs> if you're lucky. Fight the snake. The sword won't appear until you say some phrase that none of us are really sure how it happens but the sword just appears out of nowhere sometimes it comes out it gets there yeah it gets there when you need it so moving on they get to the polyjuice scene finally where they're going to be disguised as crab and goyle and that random slytherin girl but it ends up being a cat and something that's interesting is hermione tells ron and harry to put on crab and goyle's uniforms which to me, raises a whole new polyjuice question because I'm not sure if it's ever explained in the books whether or not your clothes change too. No, they don't. And they change clothes when they all turn into Harry's in the last book too. It's just your person. Like even your voice doesn't change. No, so the voice doesn't change in the movies. In the books, it does. No, I don't think so. Yes, it does. I don't want to pull a I know more about Harry Potter than you card, but... Uh-oh. But sounds, you probably Sounds do. like you... I didn't think so. One okay, of us professionally talks about Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I did yes. not think so because I thought they mentioned something about, like, talking differently in this particular book, but you could be right. I sense weakness, Mike. <laughs> the force, it's changing. <laughs> the sibling that knew more about Harry Potter now knows less. <laughs> Damn it. She's read too much fan fiction. Her brain is clouded. She doesn't know that what is, is reality is anymore. True. She's in the inception, bro. She's in too deep. I am in too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, Snape doesn't even die. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my question then, regardless of if they got to change clothes, movies, books, whatever. In book seven, when they turn Hermione into Bellatrix, where do they get the Bellatrix outfit from? I don't know, because at that point, they can transfigure clothes. Like, they know enough. Oh, okay. You think they've done it? Okay. That could make more sense. Because in the seventh movie, when she changes into Bellatrix, she's got the whole low-cut push-up bra leathery thing, which is... Damn, yeah. She does. I know Emma Watson was old enough at the time, but it's still a little uncomfortable because if you're going by what it's supposed to be, it's like, oh, here's a 17-year-old girl in a very voluptuous outfit after she switches back. Um, She's 18 because her birthday's in September. That makes it not creepy. Well, she's legal. <laughs> yeah, true. Still like a little, uh, but yeah, they get the whole exact outfit. So, okay, I guess I guess that would make sense, transferring clothes. I just, they never explain it. Well, they talked about 
about like how she kind of transfigures Ron's looks too. out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, what like just out of his own face. Sure, I think when you transfigure features like that, like you know, he's just trying to become a random person where she needed to be Bellatrix to access the vault. But like, I think transfigurations like that don't last forever. So it's not like they should transfigure clothing all the time. But like, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what they did. Okay. Okay. I don't know if they explained it or not. I don't think they actually do, but it just made me think of how did they get Bellatrix's exact outfit? (laughs) Yeah. I think they probably just made it up. But But also I like when they're drinking the polyjuice. Oh, it's so gross. It looks so gross. And there's so much of it. It tastes so bad that they all three of them just drop their glasses on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Do they go back to the bathroom and pick up all the broken glass? Because there's a lot. They're just like, whatever the house elves will get it. Like, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Poor guy with the cat who died. Is he the janitor? Yeah, Filch. He's pretty much the wizard janitor. Yeah, he pretty much is. He, man, what a miserable dude. Walder Frey. Well, that's the other thing that's yeah. so strange. I've, I brought this up on stage at LeakyCon in Dallas is they don't need Filch at all. No. They can do magic to do everything they ask him to do. So is it is it nice so that it gives him a purpose or are they being bullies and they're just making this guy, this squid, clean up all the stuff for them? So I don't think he cleans it up. I think the house elves do. Okay. This is my interpretation of Filch. I think Dumbledore feels bad for him and gave him a job. Yeah. And I think his main job is like, kind of a disciplinarian like he's there for the night shifts because like honestly i'm pretty sure snape is the only professor that like does a night shift of patrolling Mm. yeah oh yeah i think he's the only one you really see you see mcgonagall in a couple though so maybe they rotate it out you see mcgonagall but she's always in her pajamas and i think somebody just woke her up like i Ah. think snape's the only teacher that actually patrols at night and so does filch and i don't even know who else but i think his main job is like to patrol at night or during classes and make sure everybody's in a class or where they're supposed to be and i think the house elves are actually the janitors and what's well. Security cameras just don't exist. No, you can't have electronics. Can't have technology. No. It doesn't yeah, work in the technology castle. Technology doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. He is he is the on foot security camera. Gotcha. <laughs> it was 1990, whatever. They didn't have Simply Safe. Who? Hey, if you guys want to sponsor the podcast, it's open. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do a lot of other shows. I'm ready for you. So then moving on, the scene after Harry and Ron transform into Crab and Goyle and talk to Malfoy is so much fun. I agree. It is really well done. It's really funny. And there's one line that stands out as my favorite where at one point, Harry as Goyle mentions that he read something in a book and Malfoy says, I didn't know you could read, which oh, so, so genius. Good. So genius. So funny. So funny. Him. So that whole scene, really fun. And then they eventually have to run away because they're transforming back. And when they go back into the bathroom and you see Hermione as a cat, that is straight up nightmare fuel. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Oh my goodness. It's so scary. <laughs> hilarious <laughs> yeah it's oh it's rough it's it was i mm, uh, i didn't need to see that in my dreams for the next week but here we are the things i do for this podcast it's funny i was more disturbed by the ron puking up the slugs <laughs> we all have our things that are yeah. haunting our memories now i mean they really made him look all like gray and shit too he did not look good even when he wasn't 
physically throwing up the slugs. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, we get to the point where Harry actually has the diary and he's learning about Tom Riddle and, and writing in it with the quill and all kind of stuff like that. And you get the Tom Riddle Hagrid flashback. And something that I thought was really funny is that I guess they couldn't get someone that looked like a young Hagrid because when they show Hagrid in the flashback, <laughs> his face and only his face is completely blacked out by a shadow. Totally. But the rest of him is there. I just, could they not find anyone that vaguely looked like the guy that played Hagrid? I it guess not. It was so obvious and it was bonkers. Well, I mean, he's basically just beard, so I guess not. It shouldn't be that hard. Anyone would be like, oh, I guess that's what he looks like without a beard. There's Hagrid. Yeah. So in this flashback scene, there's a couple things that are different. One is that they add a thing where you show the dead body being carried away, mm -hmm. which is covered very conveniently to where you can't tell that it's Moaning Myrtle. They just kind of add that to the movie for dramatic effect. And then also they remove all instances except for a little bit of Headmaster Dippet, mm -hmm. who is the headmaster at the time. I, I think this made sense to do it in the movie, just all of the interactions that were Dippet just get shifted onto Dumbledore. So Dumbledore, who is only a part of the flashback in the book, becomes the main character aside from Tom Riddle and Hagrid in the movie. Yeah, because he's just another teacher. In the right. Movie he's just the point, teacher. Yeah. I think it makes more sense, though, just to simplify it and put it all together. A lot of the movie changes end up just being smush some characters together and it's fine. That's what happens in the fourth movie when they just hybrid Barty Crouch Sr. and Ludo Bagman. It's just a lot of <laughs> putting things together and kind of yeah. smushing them. And that's pretty much what happens in this flashback here. Yeah, so the next scene is Ginny trying to find the diary and oh boy was all of that necessary jimmy you're just looking for a book you didn't need to ruin pillows and shit yeah she absolutely destroys the room <laughs> pillows are torn up there's feathers everywhere this is not the workings of an 11 year old girl it's a fucking mess in there <laughs> I get that she was frantic and looking for it, but it was extreme. It looked like rabid dogs tore it, up the room. It did, it did. Or in any no movie. No human could have done that. Or in any movie where, you know, we have a search warrant and like, you know, taking knives into the sofa, turning everything upside down, you know, purposely moving furniture around just to say, fuck you. We have a warrant. Yeah. Another thing that just about this and in general is I think the movie really botched any sort of hint that it was Ginny, they remove all of the things where she's acting strange. There's a scene that they omit where Ginny tries to confide her secret in Ron about what's going on, but then gets taken away and Ron doesn't realize the severity of what she's trying to say. They get rid of the singing Valentine thing. They kind of cut all of the other Ginny scenes. So I think you lose some of the impact of it actually being Ginny as the one that's opening the Chamber of Secrets. Aside from, oh, it's Ginny. I remember her. She's Ron's sister and she's young. Only seeing the movie, I don't think you could have guessed it was her. Absolutely sure. not. No. Yeah. I was still like, what? The, her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't guess that it was her and like, I don't know, you just, you don't really get a sense that something is going wrong. In the book, it's so much more of a thing that she's going through a lot and what you learn is that this whole situation and talking with the diary and Tom Riddle's influence is really taking a toll on her and you don't really get a sense of that until 
you're in the chamber and she's passed out. Yeah. It's about it. Mm-hmm. That was just a little disappointing is you, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. They kind of just end up blindsiding you when they actually find it out where McGonagall just reveals it's Ginny. And then you go, oh, no, it's Ginny. But it's a little more played thoroughly through in the books. Yeah. He gives you a chance to guess who it is in the books, for sure. So then the next scene is with Aragog and the spiders, which is also pure nightmare fuel. It is so (laughs) terrifying. And it's a scary scene in the books, too. So I think it is nice and and well done that you're supposed to be scared when it happens. But the chase scene where they're actually getting away from all of Aragog's family in the movie is so much longer than I remember in the book. Yeah. It is so played out in the movie. There are so many spiders. They're in the car for so long. They're driving away forever. And they forget about using their wands until like the very end. Yeah, it just lasts so long. I'm pretty sure the whole time I'm like, you're a wizard, Harry. You're not just a normal human. Use your wand. Let's not. Let's just run. Let's just run away and hope that the car takes care of everything. They're just like, oh, no. What is Haggard going to think when his boy, the spider, is just like going to let his little minions eat these two children? Haggard doesn't give a shit. He loves animals. He loves creatures of all kinds. Spiders over these little wizards for Haggard. He'll just kind of be like, oh, come on now. They weren't really going to eat you. He's just a cute little spider. Yeah, he's just spider. a little spider. That's just how are, Harry. Yeah, he's just my little pet spider. <laughs> he's very delusional when it comes to, like, creatures being dangerous. It's funny that you mentioned that they finally use the spells at the end because the spell they end up using is Arania Exime, which, because I took Latin in high school, just translates to go away spider. Basically, it's exit spider. <laughs> At least they use a Latin spell. Right. Unlike Ron has been doing all movies. What's interesting about this is, first off, I don't think this is what they use in the book at all. I don't. And there's another spell. Again, it's just a Latin translation. What Snape uses to get rid of the snake. I think he says something to the effect of snakus exime. Again, just Latin for get out of here, snake. (laughs) It works. What's weird is Harry and Ron aren't particularly competent at magic yet. They definitely would not have learned this in a class. It is way too specific. But the fact that Harry knows it is so wild to me. It is so bonkers that Harry would know this. There's no way they taught this to him in a class. No way. Hey, guys, just in case a spider is ever coming and attacking you, you should use Arania Eczema. I don't know. Maybe they have a lot of spiders in the dorm room that they're trying to get rid of. I don't know. <laughs> also, did you notice how many spiders actually like crawled out of Hagrid's house? Because So like, many? That is a lot of spiders for one person's little hut. <laughs> Way too many spiders. You have an infestation. But it's yes. Hagrid, you know, he kind of nurtures all of them. Yeah. <laughs> what happens next is them actually learning that Hermione has cracked the code. And they take out the page that is in her petrified hand with the explanation of Basilisk. And what is so wild about the way they do the page here is the layout of it. So it's a page of what looks like a textbook or an encyclopedia, some sort of educational book. And it's one of those things where you have text and then a picture in the middle of the page and then more text. But unlike classic page break style where it would be one column and then you'd go to the other column it's just broken across like in Microsoft Word when you just put it in line and it just shifts all the stuff around so (laughs) the way you're reading it if the sentence was this is a basilisk it doesn't like roosters it would have to be this is basilisk and then you have to go over across a basilisk down a line it doesn't basilisk picture in the middle like roosters (laughs) 
<laughs> That's not how you read. Who made this book? It's so confusing. That's not how textbooks work. Not at all. It made me think of that subreddit uh, r slash keep dead closed inside, which is based off of a thing from The Walking Dead where they have a door and it's supposed to say keep out dead inside, but the way they do it is keep and then there's a door break and then out. It's a whole thing. <laughs> all images of like that where it's like all broken up and looks weird. Hey, editing Mike here just to correct past Mike because you couldn't remember the name of it. The subreddit is reddit.com slash r slash don't dead open inside because the way they've written it is don't open dead inside, but they do it vertically. It's very silly and it's just a great way to waste time on the internet if you're looking to do that. Anyway, back to the podcast. But then eventually now that Ron and Harry have learned what is going on they go to the heads of house yeah it's like now that hermione has done all the legwork for them <laughs> again yeah now that they are able to reap the fruits of her labor they bring <laughs> it to the professors to tell them what's going on so you've got mcgonagall snape and lockhart all in the room with ron and harry when they're talking about this and What's so good is when they bring to the table what's going on chamber of secrets you got to use this moaning myrtle blah 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 McGonagall and Snape tag teaming against Gilderoy Lockhart to basically say, hey, you said you'd be able to find the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> the you said you'd be able movie. to conquer the beast. They're just, go ahead. And then he's, uh, 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 uh. It's so good. They're like, cool, you got this. <laughs> We're just going to go to the teacher's lounge and hang out. <laughs> Let us know how it goes. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Again, the acting, especially by the adults in this movie, is so good. Everyone is so good. I absolutely love it. I, I'm with you there. The adults bring it home. This was a far cry from the children and say uh, Stranger Things from an acting perspective. Ooh, hot take. Yes. Oh, shit. I haven't, I haven't really watched Stranger Things more than binging it the nights it comes out, so I haven't really been able to investigate the acting. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the best. To be fair, the children get better in the later movies. I would hope. You mean, or, oh, in the later Harry Potter movies, yeah, not in the, in the later, later seasons Potter. of Stranger Things. How do they get in the later things of Stranger Things? They're good all throughout I think in they're Stranger great. Things. Travis doesn't think so, apparently. No, he no, thinks no, no, the no, Stranger Things oh, the flip. Oh, the flip. Yes, oh. yes, 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 yes. Uh, I got it, I got yeah. it. You're saying Stranger Things kids good, Harry Potter kids bad. Yeah, I think they end up getting better. Adults save this movie if it was possible. Honestly, you know who I think is better as a kid and not as good older. I think Rupert Grint as a kid for Ron is better. I thought Ron's acting in the first two was really good. I really enjoyed him. I can't wait to get into Ron's scene when they go into the chambers. Right. But, um, <laughs> it's my favorite scene. That's where we're getting at. So they get into the Chamber of Secrets and... Uh, Oh, man. A lot of thoughts here. What, what particularly did you want to point out here, Travis? Oh, yes. My favorite. Okay. So, Professor Fabio is, <laughs> you know, trying to trying to get out of town. Ron and, and Harry catch him in the act and basically force him to come along. I mean, this guy, it was so funny. So, they open it up and he has this moment. He looks down, you know, this well, so to speak. And it was like Ron's moment of like, this is Sparta. And he like gives him the most minor little poke with his wand. And, and Fabio goes tumbling in like, you know, it's so traumatic. <laughs> That's Trav's favorite part of the movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's a really accurate description of how it happened. Yeah. 
pretty solid. So they end up going down into the chamber. And the first thing that I notice about the chamber is the number of snake heads in the chamber is ridiculous. Yeah. There's about 20 giant stone snake heads. And I get if you are a wizard, maybe it's easy to make carved out statues of stone. But it just seems like they really over-decorated this place. Well, yeah. Salazar <laughs> Slytherin went buck wild with the interior design here. Also, it's like really wet. Like it's, it's so the wet. Of secrets. It's not like a real like cool hangout for Salazar to go. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like imposing. And his like facial statue, whatever the fuck you want to call it, he, he reminds me of that bad guy in like the second. Pirates of the Caribbean, where his beard is an octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, didn't the yes. statue kind of look like him? It definitely did. It looked like that. <laughs> it also kind of looked like something you would see in the Poseidon land of Universal Studios. Yeah, it doesn't look like a guy <laughs> named Salazar Slytherin. No, and like that's another thing that's different is in the book, it wasn't a circular door with seven snakes, it was just a door with intertwined serpents. Yeah. So by making it a face-bearded snake Medusa thing, I think it made it look a little hokier. Yeah, a little bit. It's a little cray. I feel like if I was Salazar and I'm making a Chamber of Secrets, it's going to be kind of like a cool place to hang out with your bros. Like, not a fucking wet-ass <laughs> chamber full of water and many different snake heads and, like, in the middle of a girl's bathroom. Yeah. He's just like, I think this place needs another basement with snakes. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually you get to the point where the fight is actually happening between Harry and the snake after Tom Riddle does his little arts and crafts project and writes his names (laughs) and rearranges his letters and goes, look how creative I am. I've made an anagram. I am Lord Voldemort. Cool. Have we verified it? Does that actually check out? Tom Riddle actually? Yes, it does. Okay. But in order to make it work, his middle name has to be Marvolo, which is not a name. <laughs> a technicality. Nice. She kind of wrote herself into a corner there. <laughs> JK Rowling's like, how many letters do I have left? Fuck, what can I make out of this? Oh, now I got to make it say I am at the beginning instead of just Lord Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Why'd I make his name Voldemort? I could have used more vowels. <laughs> I only gave myself two vowels to work with. That's 100% how she came up with it. She has like 20 different note cards. Like, okay, it could be this. It could be that. I guess Marvolo. I guess that's the closest thing to a name. Yeah, so silly. So, so, so silly. You know what else is so silly? So, so, so silly. These transitions. Hey, it's editing Mike here, letting you know that we got to take a little pause here because it's time for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Ethos. Let's say hypothetically that you are the somewhat corporal form of a soul trapped in a book and you've been stealing the life from a tiny innocent freshman and you are concerned that your life might not last very long. So what are you going to do? You're going to get life insurance, but you don't know what you're doing. How are you going to make sure that you get a good coverage and not get screwed and don't pay too much money? You're going to use Ethos. Ethos is a faster, easier, and more affordable way to get life insurance to make sure that your family's taken care of, even if you're not around to take care of them. And though this might 
might not be a happy thought. You don't know if some 12-year-old's gonna come in and expel Aramis you until you're gone, so you gotta take precautions. Ethos is great because they help you find the plan that makes the most sense for you and for your budget, and you just gotta go on your computer, or you can even do it on your tablet or your phone. It just takes 10 minutes. All you do is answer a few quick questions about your age, income, health, stuff like that, and then you'll have an estimate within minutes. And obviously, everyone's plan is gonna be different. That's the whole point. But for example, if you are a healthy 35-year-old, you can get a million dollars of coverage for only $50 a month. And you don't have to be a previous mechanical engineer turned podcaster full-time to realize that's good. A million dollars is good. It's much more than $50 per month, unless you do a lot of months. With Ethos, you know that you can rest easy knowing the people you love are gonna be taken care of with confusing terms and piles of paperwork not included. Again, I love that copy point. And if you're interested, you're in luck. You can go to ethoslife.com slash potterless and click on check my price to get a quote. Again, get a fully personalized quote by going to ethoslife.com slash potterless. So go to E-T-H-O-S-L-I-F-E dot com slash potterless, get your quote, and make sure that Harry Potter isn't going to destroy your life that you just got from Ginny Weasley today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can right get 10% off get, your first purchase right by going to ArenaClub.com slash ArenaClub.com Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's ArenaClub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you look like some cards or open some packs in a more way, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use ArenaClub today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. But they actually do the fight. And one thing that is so different in the movie versus the book is the fight is so long. In the movie. Yeah, in the movie, it's so long. Yeah. It just drags out and 
they go from room to room and Harry hides from the snake and it chases him and then he climbs up a thing and then he keeps swatting the sword at him all willy nilly and then he climbs and oh, it's just, it drags out. And I guess part of this was just, I was already feeling the drudge of this movie being so long and I already know how it ends. Never ending story. While I was watching it, I was just yelling at my laptop, just kill him already. Gosh. Yeah. It was so drawn out. Right. And it was so easy for, uh, I mean, Dumbledore's Phoenix to come in, poke dude's eyes out. I mean, that that all happened so quickly. It's like, you know, finish him already. I mean, right. Bird got us halfway there. Let's well, get it I done. Well, I think in the book, the bird comes even quicker than it did in the movie. Everything is so quick in the book. It's all in one location. Things start to attack. Fox flies in, takes out his eyes, drops off the hat. Harry gets the sword. And right away when the snake tries to attack him, he punctures it, which makes more sense because while I was watching it, because it took so long, you see Harry, this little 12 year old kid with this sword that he's no idea what he's doing with fending off this snake. I was just thinking this snake is so bad at its job. (laughs) How is the snake so incompetent? It can't just eat this kid. Just has to toy with him for minutes on end. Still is. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they did themselves a disservice by making it drawn out. I get that you're trying to make this the boss fight of the movie and you're trying to make it more dramatic. But I think what's kind of cool about the way that it takes place in the book is that it's so quick and haphazard and Harry barely knows what's going on. That's kind of the yeah. way Harry does stuff is he's an improviser. He never plans it out. That's like the definition of how Harry handles things for like the first 100%. couple movies. It's like he doesn't have time to think about how to react. He just does. And it just seems to like work out for him. Technically it doesn't really work out for him because like he would have died. He gets shanked. Yeah. Because unless Fox was there, he would have died. So and Travis the- didn't realize either like Fox comes because Harry says something nice about Dumbledore. Okay. And that is what calls Fox to him. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he never even mentioned Dumbledore, like, because he kind of mentions them out of nowhere. If he never even mentioned Dumbledore, he would be dead. And I'm assuming then Harry, now knowing this, is complimenting Dumbledore everywhere he goes from here on out. Like, not only did Bird bring me the hat, the sword, but also, you know, I've got this tooth stuck in me and I'm dying of poison or whatever the hell is going on. Venom. Thank you. Uh, That, you know, a couple teardrops and, you know, it's good as new. Where was this phoenix throughout the, the rest of the films? Well, he didn't come this Yeah, just close keep calling on it when your arm gets screwed up. That's right. Exactly. Right at the uh, Quidditch match. Be like, Fox, cry my arm, please. I really liked what Dumbledore, I like his new shoes that I saw today. <laughs> <laughs> cry on He's me. here. Cry. <laughs> cry, bud. Cry. <laughs> Shed tears. Also, by making this fight scene so dramatic and drawn out, they cut some stuff that happens in the book that I think is really funny. So one thing that they changed is that when Fox flies and cries on Harry's arm, it's in the movie, it's after Riddle has been exploded and and gotten rid of. In the book, it happens while Riddle is there and he doesn't realize this. So I think it's kind of funny that someone who's trying to be the most powerful wizard doesn't know that Phoenix tears 
cure wounds. But another <laughs> thing that they change, which I think is really fun, I don't get why they did it, is in the book when Fox comes in with the hat, Harry puts it on his head and then shouts for help. And then the sword comes out, which I think is really fun. It makes so much more sense. Yeah, and, and like the sword hits him on the head and almost knocks him out. It's more funny and, and it makes more sense of not knowing. In the movie, the sword just like materializes out of thin air. Yeah. I know this bird is Dumbledore. He's bringing me this hat. Like, maybe I get special powers if I put it on. Right. That's a more logical thought process for a 12-year-old is, why does this bird have this hat? I guess I should put the hat on. Like, that's exactly sound, logical reasoning for Harry to not know why this hat is here, but trust the bird and put it on. More so than just, I hope a sword shows up. <laughs> ugh, ugh, very frustrating. So, the fight finally ends, and... Tom Riddle explodes. <laughs> In a most dramatic fashion. Very boisterous explosion. <laughs> and when Ginny comes back to life, she does that same face that she made when she saw Harry in the burrow, which I think is just a fun closing of the loop. She makes that like bug out <gasps> face when she sees Harry. <laughs> Like, like how it was taking 10 hours for Ginny's soul to go into Voldemort, mm -hmm. but like it took two seconds for Ginny to like wake up from a coma. I mean, he exploded, so well, I guess yeah, it I guess just snaps true. her back to reality. Whoop, <laughs> there goes gravity. In the book, does Voldemort really take, like in the movie, Tom Riddle took Harry's wand, but like didn't have enough magic, I guess, to use it yet. So during the whole scene, figment of the journal Tom Riddle is holding Harry's wand. Is that really what happens in the book? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that's what happens. That's weird. What was hard in the movie versus the book is that he was still like semi-ghost-like. He wasn't fully back right. in the book. Well, and they kind of imply that in the movie by the fact that he can't use the magic yet, but like, yeah. yeah. But he looked like a fully solid dude, so it wasn't yeah. conveyed as well. That's true. So it's a little harder for the viewer to put that together. But I do remember that being a thing in the book is that he can't use His, the wand because yeah. he's not fully back yet. And I think that was part of it. At least when I was reading the book, I always imagined... Ginny getting more and more ghost-like and Riddle getting more and more solid as he was sucking the life out of her. And in the movie, it's just, she's passed out. I'm here now. Soon I'll have her whole soul. It, it looks like you've already done the job, my guy. Yeah, I know. It <laughs> looks like it's yeah. mission complete. You look ready to go. Yeah, you're like, why isn't he fighting too? Mm -hmm. The final thing about this chamber scene that is different is when they leave the chamber... It's done completely differently because in the book, they go back through Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. But in the movie, they all just kind of grab onto Fox's talons and then fly out of some sort of cave that is facing outdoors. Oh. And you can just see <laughs> Hogwarts from it. And the whole point of the chamber is that no one's been able to find it. No one's seen this giant cave right next to the school that's wide open and has a big open ceiling. Not a single person has found it. McGonagall even states <laughs> in the film that they've searched the ends of the school for this chamber and no one could find it. It's like right there. <laughs> I think technically that's like the sewer though. I don't think A, they knew it was like in the pipe system. And I think that's like what they were implying with the movie. But I agree with you in the book. They definitely like come out the same way they came in. I don't know why they don't do that in the movie. That doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. In the book, they definitely have to go out through the entrance. 
which is hidden and still makes sense. And at least whatever it is in the film, when they fly out, it's big. It's a big gap in the ceiling. It's open. So it feels like something that they would have been able to at least crawl into when they're apparently for the past hundred years trying to find this chamber. So... Ah, it's so silly to me. So then they finally leave, and one scene that is very fun is between Lucius and Harry, because they're in Dumbledore's office, I believe, and and talking about what's going on, because Dumbledore is back, even though Lucius was with the governors and got him voted out, and then Dumbledore reveals, oh, I heard you were bribing them or threatening them, whatever. But what's so funny to me is when Lucius is talking, the lighting dramatically is dark everywhere except for around his eyes in this rectangular beam, so it's clearly a lighting effect that they're doing (laughs) to try to up the suspense and the, the evil nature of Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> it's so overly dramatic and I kind of love it. I, I love the dude that plays Lucius. He's so over the top. It's wonderful. So do I. They make him kind of be like a pansy though. Like at the end after the whole Dobby thing happens and he's like about to curse Harry but is waiting a long time. Like Lucius is a fucking death eater. Harry would be dead if that's what he wanted. Harry should be afraid of Lucius, and he's, like, not. He's like, fuck you, dude. I'm 12. <laughs> I mean, and how how did Lucius get up, like, into Dumbledore's office? Dumbledore is, like, the most chill dude ever. You know, didn't knock. Every office I've ever gone in. Yeah, he like, definitely you didn't know, know the password was Sherbert Lemon. Sherbert Lemon? <laughs> Sherbert Lemon. <laughs> yeah. Gets right up in there and just barges in like he owns the place. Yeah. And Dumbledore's like, what's well, up, bro? Technically, he does open. He's one of the governors, which is basically like one of the school donors, I think. Mm. He's okay. on the board, Yeah, basically. he's paying Dumbledore's salary, so he's like, this is my office. I've been binging a lot of Succession, so I feel like I understand his role here with trying to usurp the throne. <laughs> Then we get to the scene where it's between Dobby and Lucius and Harry, and the way that they free Dobby is different between the books and the movies. So in the books, Harry takes the diary, and he puts it in a sock, and he hands it to Lucius. Lucius removes the diary from the sock, and then is like, oh, what am I going to do with this busted diary in this sock? And just kind of throws them away. And then Dobby catches the sock, so without meaning to... Master has given Dobby a sock and now Dobby is a free elf. But in the movie, they take the sock and put it in the book like a bookmark. And then he throws the book at Dobby and then takes it out. And whatever you want to say is the better method. I feel like the movie makes more sense because how loose is Harry's sock that it can fit a book inside of it? (laughs) Yeah. It's a huge sock with like no elastic ability. It has to be so loose. How does that fit on his feet? And so smelly (laughs) and so wet from being in the Chamber of Secrets. Everything is wet. Everything is wet and it's in a sewer. It's not just like it's wet because it's a pool or a pond. I don't think socks make very good bookmarks. I think both ways are stupid. <laughs> They're too thick. Both <laughs> they things are awful. They don't make good bags and yeah. they don't make good bookmarks. They're <laughs> socks. You know what socks are really good for? Your feet. <laughs> <laughs> and that is it. That's it's a one it. purpose instrument. <laughs> I mean, Dobby would argue otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Dobby loves socks. Big fan, big fan. So then we get to the scene where it's the end of the school year and... 
Dumbledore is announcing what is going on. It's announced that all exams have been canceled and everyone is ecstatic, but you can see Hermione in the side of the frame looks so disappointed and it's hilarious. <laughs> She's it's like, so damn, exams funny. are my favorite part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing that I noticed in the scene is Professor Vector is at the table and her outfit is on freaking point. Damn, she looks I wish so I so good. Her. You can just Google Professor Vector. She I looks will. divine. Oh, She's got this big hat and this angled thing. And, oh, she looks awesome. Super All right, cool. I can't wait to see. Also, I appreciate how Dumbledore thanks everyone. Yes. He thanks Professor Sproul for growing the mandrakes. And does he thank anyone else? The squad. He definitely doesn't thank Snape for fucking brewing the potion. <laughs> he loves this guy. I love Snape. <sighs> He's just like... Thank you for growing the plants, Sprout. And now everyone is better. Has Hermione entered the Grand Hall yet? Yeah, she's there, disappointed about. Is that like, that has to be a gif where Harry looks and then Ron even further back has that look on his face. Oh, that's Hagrid. No, 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 no. When Hermione Hermione is coming in and yeah, yeah, when Hermione is ringing in and then Harry sees and then Ron pokes behind her. A lot of really popular gifts on Twitter come from this movie specifically. The running hug is that the two of them poking out is that, as I mentioned in previous episodes, a lot of Twitter gifts come from this movie. (laughs) Rightfully so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the scenes are comical without the intent of being mm-hmm. comical. But now, the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Ten minutes of applause for it has taken It has taken three episodes of Potterless discussing this movie to get to the most <laughs> integral part of this film. Is the let's clap for 15 fucking minutes for Ruby as Hagrid. <laughs> Way to exist, Hagrid. <laughs> he didn't even like actually do anything except get released from Azkaban. That's the thing. Hagrid didn't save the day. No. Hagrid was wrongfully accused of a crime and then was welcomed back. And the thing is, Hagrid is beloved by the squad. Ron, Hermione, and Harry love him. And that's it. Not all of the other students love this dude. No. No one else really likes Hagrid except for Dumbledore. But everyone else treats his return like it's freaking Jesus <laughs> rising. The prodigal son. <laughs> he's come back. He's risen. The stone has been moved and he goes back to all the apostles when they're all freaking out at Pentecost. He's like, what up? I'm back. And everyone freaks out. Everyone is so... And look, I love Hagrid. Hagrid a lot. I think he's great. But even and I at the beginning of the scene, I got a little choked up and emotional because it's really nice. And you get Hagrid looking happy and you get Dumbledore looking happy and even McGonagall starts clapping and all the kids. But then it just keeps going and more people start clapping. It's not a sudden applause. It is a very gradual applause that turns into a standing ovation that turns into people shaking Hagrid's hands that turns into and the like camera even starts spinning around Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> and I get that they tried to make it a big deal because the book doesn't end this way. I get that they tried to make it a big, happy, warm ending because the book doesn't end this way. I think in the book, they still have the house cup and then they leave, but they had just made up in their minds, okay, we're going to make Hagrid's return the big send-off moment. So we really got to play it up here, folks. And 
boy howdy they sure did <laughs> yes ruby Hagrid is back <laughs> that guy we all kind of like <laughs> <laughs> he lives in that hut in the grounds, you know, he's kind of tall. Is he a teacher? Not really. He can't <laughs> even do magic. He's not supposed to, but he does. <laughs> Hagrid's back. movie (laughs) (laughs) what was hard for me was i think they still do the scene well and it's really nice and heartfelt but my cynical nature is just all right they're really milking this like this really didn't go down like this in the book at all travis as someone that didn't have any attachment to how they did it did you also think this was drawn out too long and i just kept looking at my watch like please end enough is enough (laughs) Roll the credits enough, please. My note was, oh my God, Hagrid scene so dramatic. Oh my God. What's funny is my first note was, the Hagrid return scene is so emotional. And then the next one was, was it this drawn out in the book? <laughs> You're like, oh my God, it's still happening. <laughs> it was so emotional when like they started the slow clap. But then it became a standing O and then it became a massive group hug with (laughs) and you're just like, wait a minute. None of the Slytherins even know who Hagrid is. Well, I don't think they were clapping, were they? (laughs) No, not Draco. He made a face. Yeah, Draco had to force Crab and Goyle to stop clapping. They were the only ones with any sense about him. It's like, what the fuck are we (laughs) going to clap for? Who Who are you? Yeah, I'm with them on that. But yeah. seriously, the real star of the movie, Rubius Hagrid, yeah. he was in this film probably more than the squad. Yeah, I mean, he was in a, he was in there a lot. His first name is Rubius. Yeah, that's his name. That's his first name. Oh, but no, Travis, it it is a point that you mentioned that I think in the movies they only ever call him Hagrid. I don't know if they ever say Rubius. It, it was something that very minor in the flashback with Tom Riddle in the book they call him Rubius, and in the movie he calls him Hagrid. So I think they're yeah. just trying to like not confuse the viewer. I think Dumbledore is the only one who calls him Rubius. Yeah. Sign of respect, sign of love. Mm-hmm. Like the kids don't even call him like Professor Hagrid or like no. they're just well, like he's not a professor to start. He's no, just he, the... or, but they should probably call him Mr. Hagrid. Yeah, they should call him Mr. Hagrid. Why do they just call him Hagrid? That's rude. It's like Hermione gets all pissed when they just call him Snape and she's like, it's Professor Snape. Yeah. She's not they like, call you Mr. Shubes, Hagrid. Don't they? It's Mr. Shubes. That's Mr. Shubes to you. <laughs> Uh, but yes, after uh, after such a long, boisterous Hagrid scene, I can't think of a better way to end a movie and end this podcast. So uh. now for the next 20 minutes, we will be giving ourselves a standing ovation. <laughs> As we spin around and get a massive group hug from an entire yeah. school. Much like the camera, I'll spin the microphone around in a circle around me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the most dramatic, the most. Gosh, I think that scene was more applause than like McGonagall gets in the seventh movie when she drives Snape out. Like, oh yeah, they were more excited for Hagrid's return. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think this scene is really a testament to what this second movie stands for: is needlessly making scenes 
more whatever emotion it is, whether it's more intense, more suspenseful, more loving, and making them way longer than they need to be. We saw this with the Ford Anglia flying to Hogwarts scene. We saw this with the fight against the snake. We saw this with the Hagrid scene. Is So many scenes are just drawn out for so long. This movie could have been an hour and a half. Amen, but we brother. had to clap for Hagrid for 35 minutes. Amen. You put we had a to fight a snake it. for another 20. Yes. Ugh. Uh, let's cut the death day party but add applause for Hagrid Peeves no standing ovation for Hagrid hell yeah baby (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean you mentioned earlier we cut out an entire chapter or two of the book just so we could have a standing note for Hagrid. Way to go. <laughs> Look, we got to get rid of this scene. We need to make room for the Hagrid ovation. <laughs> the Hagrid ovation. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Megan Trav, thanks so much for joining me on this incredible three-part journey of this film that is definitely a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been an honor. Thanks for having us. Been an honor. Uh, But yes, thank you so much for joining. Again, in place of giving a shout out, we will say that everyone should love Aurora Fruhoff, your child, my niece, as much as possible. She is the cutest and I look forward to seeing her, I guess, Thanksgiving time. I'll be sure to to grace Instagram with her presence as she continues to to be more and more silly. Peace and love. (laughs) Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Thank you, too, for joining listeners. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they give a 38-minute ovation to Hagrid, (laughs) Wizard on! (laughs) Have you ever heard about basketball before? Do you like it? Do you wish you did? No matter where you're falling the spectrum, I host a basketball podcast called Horace. I co-host it with Eric Silver from Multitude. And the NBA season starts tomorrow. So if you want to learn about basketball, we only talk about the entertainment part. We show you how following basketball is kind of like watching reality TV. If you want to be in the know and understand all these memes while the new season starts tomorrow, check out our podcast Horse at horsehoops.com. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Kluber, Char Klaus, Lopu, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa Sikin, Romina Rivadanera, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Aldra, Eleanor Kerlin, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Kraus, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Takaria Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingen Oddstar, Maury Wynn, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basolet, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Ensland, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Veronica Bartova, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Frida J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Athel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Bagason, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Surgeon Thanmegupta, Neta Atabani, Sarah. Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Remy Fontaine, Addie Bryan, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Medueno, Benjamin Desmond, Sky Mart 6, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryan, Christina Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Leela Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Sierra. 
Chris Kioris for Georgia, Itzel Ime Ayala, Al Vega, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skylar Lilly, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Wisen, Ellie Huskov Choba, Alubin Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lee Lee, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lika Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mom Make Them For You, Kara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Andrea, Kerry Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Binkowski, Janet Noel Detilly, Mary Mati, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Went, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Alman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Huser, Zephyr Lawrence, Artemis Peters, Brett Clausen, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermani Snape, Lior Nachum, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Malena Brandy, Marco Cepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Courtney, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer from the Block, Anna Penalber, Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Terra, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Six Awkward Nine, Tuzi Tran, Anthony Ruiz, Peter Mina, Heather Langeal, Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Patrick Cribben, Chrissy Two, Alex Romano, Steam Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For merch, you can go to bit.ly slash merchon. And for all the bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. If you want to review the show online or tell someone about it, that really helps a ton. Thanks for listening. And until next time, as I say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.